Hi everyone, I'm Gary Knoll. Nice to have you with us today. We begin our program with a study from the University of Toronto, published in Fluids and Barriers of the CNS. And it's about a nutrient. A lot of people have heard of it. It's called PQQ. Long scientific name, but just PQQ. And what it does, it helps boost brain folate and that is a part of the B-complex, folic acid, and uh, it's also called B9, but it uh, is critical for normal neurodevelopmental functioning and uh, with transport mediated by three major pathways, and it enhances all that. So in lay language, if you took 15 milligrams of PQQ, it could help you. It's also considered one of the anti-aging nutrients. Also, it's known to turn off inflammation in the brain, reduce oxidative stress, improve mitochondria, which is your energy, so you have more energy in the brain. You don't feel that brain fog, and it helps prevent mitochondrial dysfunction. So it does a lot of really good things in your brain. And it's been around for a while, but a lot of people don't use it. So it's just one of the great things that we can do that's non-toxic, inexpensive, and in study after study, there are thousands of studies on PQQ. So you want to lower reactive oxygen species. You want to increase mitochondrial DNA content. You want to reduce inflammation everywhere in the body. And you want to, you want to reverse any expression of your genes that are inflamed, because those are the ones that turns cancerous. And it does that. Separately from the Kataliki University in Belgium, there's a neuroprotective effect of virgin, meaning organic, coconut oil. It helps relieve ALS, and that's Lou Gehrig's disease. So that's very important, because that's one of the... the, the Amyotrophic lateral sclerosis is one of the most difficult neurodegenerative diseases to help stop, even slow it down. And it always leads to disability and death. And uh, it's considered incurable. Now, and it's always progressive. At one time in a study, we were able to slow it down, but not reverse it. It's the one that we're still working on. But all the others, like uh, multiple sclerosis, have reversed. Um, dementia, reversed. Alzheimer's, reversed. But in this particular study, they looked at the potential of coconut oil for preventing or reducing ALS symptoms. Now, as you already know, coconut oil has already demonstrated a lot of science on safe efficacy for treating Alzheimer's disease symptoms, which is also a neurodegenerative disease for which mainstream medicine has no answer. And uh, so that's why this study was put into place. But in let's go back almost 14 years to a 16-month study where about 29 individuals, we didn't start with 29, we ended with 29, all had major improvements in brain diseases. Dr. Martin Feldman, a leading neurologist, supervised the study. It was not medical, though. Nothing in this study was medical, but we were using 
the best of the best of everything that I knew that could help the central nervous system, the brain, uh, repairing neurons, uh, helping to stop neuron loss. And uh, so anyhow, that was a, we had wonderful results. In fact, we were invited to two international scientific conferences with thousands of scientists to share the results. What I found remarkable was that when we had presented our results, Dr. Feld and myself, both in Washington, D.C. and in Chicago, at two mainstream, very orthodox scientific conferences where thousands of scientists and physicians attended each one. And we actually had so many people interested in what we were doing um, at the Chicago conference that the director asked us, would we have a, uh, would we have a time to meet with everyone in a room? And we said yes. 500 physicians and scientists around the United States met with us for four hours going over protocols. And the nice thing was that two of the people who were in the study who made major improvements came with us. And so they had real human beings, and it just blew them away. But not a word after that. It's like it didn't happen, these major you know, breakthroughs. In any case... Um, it's important that anything that can help, something as simple as, well, coconut oil, just that, one single item can make a difference in helping turn off inflammation. Now, at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, both acupuncture and massage can benefit those with cancer-related pain. Research has shown that acupuncture and massage can help relieve some of the pain felt by people with advanced cancer. And uh, now a multi-center randomized clinical trial led by investigators from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center found that both treatments, meaning massage and acupuncture, not only reduce musculoskeletal pain, but also lead to improvements in feelings of fatigue, insomnia, and most importantly, the patient's quality of life. That's good news. All right? Something very simple. Now, from Purdue University comes a study about hair products. Now, these hair products often contain ingredients that easily evaporate. So users are going to inhale them, especially if you're using, uh, let's say, your commercial products, and then your hair, hair is being blown dry. And that means that as the hair is drying, the chemicals are going into the air, and you're breathing all that in. Not only the person getting their hair done, but also the hairdressers. And these are what are called volatile organic compounds, or VOCs. Um, and that's what gives the hair the shine and the smoothness. Uh, so they're dangerous. This is published in Environmental Science and Technology. So one simple thing you can do that can really make a difference without any... Uh, feelings that you're, or reality that you're putting poisons in your body. After you shampoo your hair, put a small a drop, just a quarter of a teaspoon of extra virgin olive oil and extra virgin coconut oil, the two together, massage the palms of your hand, then massage it into your hair and scalp. Give yourself a little scalp massage for about 60 seconds. Let her dry. That's what I do. Now, I'm not uh, Zoom streaming because we have a new barrier, a light barrier, that I need 
Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see anything. The sun is so bright here in Florida, it just floods through. But that's coming on uh, December the uh, 10th. So after that, I'll go back to Zoom sc- uh, filming this. If you look at my hair, don't blow it out. It dries naturally. And uh, healthy, healthy skin, healthy hair, healthy scalp. Next up, University of Bergen, which is Norway, and the University of Glasgow. A study suggests changing to a healthier diet can add up to 10 years onto your life. And I believe that's an understatement because we've already shown that a healthy lifestyle on campus for two weeks and followed up for three months added 2.2 years to the group's lifespan. But that wasn't accurate because half of the group didn't complete the full protocols. So you have, uh, you had half the group that did exceptionally well, meaning the half that actually did everything and did it right every day for two weeks and followed up for three months, they had a huge increase, probably in the neighborhood of five years or more to their lifespan. The other group didn't do diddly squat. And so what you have to, in science, you have to do a, um, you have to do a, a total average of everyone. And it came to 2.2 years. And that wasn't me saying that. That was a major American university and a major anti-aging foundation that helped sponsor the study. Now we're getting in the results of our latest study where we did two weeks on campus, had a control group at home, and we followed both groups for six months with a meeting every Sunday night for about two hours to encourage people to stay on the protocols. And we're getting all the blood work in right now. And I'm hopeful to have some announcements after that goes to an independent group that does the analysis. But if I'm right, we will have added five years onto a person's lifespan. Now, mind you, they're saying 10 years onto a person's lifespan if you change your whole diet. And we're saying add in exercise, stress management, meaning a purpose to life cleansing, modified fasting, juicing, proper supplementation. None of that was done. None of that. Just changing the diet added 10 years onto a person's lifespan. So there's no reason realistically that we couldn't project about 25 years. You heard me right. 25 years of a healthy, vibrant life if you did everything correct. So, just saying, and this is what they did. They just got in a healthier diet. What you in this audience would already know would be something that you uh, you do on a daily basis. But for the rest of the world, that's uh, that's not that case. Now, there's four universities that participated in a study. These are all universities in South Korea. And what they find out, quote, Vegetable peptones may delay skin aging from within. Extract from vegetables may boost skin health by promoting the production of type 1 collagen and proliferation of skin cells responsible for skin recovery. And this was published in Nutrition Research. Quote, These results suggest that vegetable peptones are involved in attenuating skin aging, possibly by promoting cell proliferation and type 1 pro-collagen production. End quote. Well, think of all the in this audience who have healthier skin 
because you've been having all your fruits and vegetables every day. All right? That's the way it works. That's one of the important things. That's it on health and nutrition. We're going to take a break and come right back. We have some really important stuff to share with you. And also, don't forget to go to GaryAndAll.com and sign up for a newsletter. Back in a moment. Please stay with us. everyone. I'm Gary Nall. As promised yesterday, we are taking a look at all the different things happening in our lives that we think, well, that's just a coincidence or something that we're not aware of that is happening in other countries that is a completely well-orchestrated, methodical approach to taking away more and more of your rights, shrinking our lives down to where there's no room for protest. There's no room for dialogue. There's no room for civil conversation. And today we're going to look at conversation. We're going to look at freedom of speech. We're going to look at how they have weaponized certain words or even discussion points. For example, you will have, uh, you'll hear from uh, one of the world's leading authorities on conflicts both in Ukraine and in Israel. And you're going to hear him talk in a moment in two segments. The first segment is about lobbyists. Okay, so every corporation has lobbyists, every major corporation, and so what's the big deal? Well, as he says now, everything they're doing is legal, but what are they doing? Well, in case of the Israeli lobby, they're controlling speech. They're compelling legislation. They're, in effect, letting every legislator know in every government, if you do not turn your back when there's a problem, and this is what I'm saying, not that they're saying this, if you grant Israel every opportunity to say they were right in what they did, no matter what they did, no matter how extreme what they do and have done for decades, if you criticize them, we will re try to replace you. We'll put all the money that we can behind a candidate's run against you. There'll be all kinds of bad publicity about you. And politicians don't want that. They're terrified. They're terrified of some of the biggest lobbyists out there. And that's why they're always acquiescing to the teachers' union, to the uh, NRA, to all these, uh, uh, or the NRA, the Rifle Association. They're terrified if uh, politicians are targeted They'll, they'll, they can be thrown out of office. They, they can be just... They, look at Frank Church. Frank Church was the first one to expose the corruption of the CIA and how it had infiltrated all the mainstream media and all the things it did were illegal. And he never got elected again. And that's what they do. So one of the strongest lobbyists in the world 
is the Israeli lobby. But let him tell you this. Now, why is this important? Because all over the world, when someone does something wrong, and it can be proven demonstrably wrong, they're called out for it. They're shown to be a pariah, especially if it involves killing a people. Well, Israel, according to the most current statistics today, has killed more than 10,000 children and has not been criticized for it. To the contrary, they've been told by Lindsey Graham and others, go for it, you know. And, uh, well, if you're going to have some uh, people die, that's we won't pay attention to that. And they don't. So the mainstream media has not showed you the horror of what has become daily life just to survive without water, without food, with electricity, and now every place they go being bombed. But how many people have actually been killed? We don't know. Why? Because there could be 20, 30,000 of the Palestinians who died when bombs hit and completely destroyed their building. And they've destroyed thousands of buildings with tens of thousands of apartments. So we could have massive, massive death. And who represents the largest percentage of the population in the West Bank and in and in Gaza, women and children. So we have the intent to kill these people. It's intentional, as you will hear. Why aren't they challenged? Even a word from our State Department, Defense Department, our White House? Nowhere. Great Britain, France, not a word. As if this is acceptable. That's the power of lobbying. That's the power of controlling speech. That's the power of getting lobbying into legislatures' uh, positions to say, pass a law now. Pass a law that says anyone who criticizes Israel, it's anti-Semitism. But what if it isn't anti-Semitism? What if it's a legitimate comment? doesn't matter. Everything is anti-Semitism, just like uh, we now say everything is racist. You know, Huckleberry, racist. Pencil, racist. DirecTV, racist. Dial Soap, racist. Everything is racist because the lobbyist or the antagonist or those who have an agenda. And therefore, speech has been weaponized everywhere. I'm going to show you examples of it. Now, mind you, you don't have to respect or agree that uh, with anything that the presenter says. Listen to their message. And then if you have a challenge, call in and offer a challenggeq to it. 888-874-488. But this is why I'm showing you pieces of the puzzle of who really controls everything and who controls our speech and why do they want to control our speech and why do they want us to be chipped and why do they want us to eat their genetically engineered food and why do they want us living in 15-minute cities and why do they want to eliminate all elections and have artificial intelligence control who is appointed by stakeholders. I'm just showing you the picture. Let's go to the two clips back to back. Uh, let me ask you about, you mentioned the Israel lobby. You wrote a book, probably your most controversial book on the topic. Not probably. <laughs> Clearly the most controversial book I ever wrote. So you've uh, criticized the Israel lobby in the United States for influencing U.S. policy um, in the Middle East. Can you explain what the Israel lobby is, their influence, and your criticism over the past, let's say, a couple decades? Well, the argument that Steve Walt and I made, actually we wrote an article first and 
which appeared in the London Review of Books, uh, and then uh, we wrote the book itself. Uh, our, our argument is that the lobby is a loose coalition of uh, individuals and organizations uh, that push American policy in a pro-Israel direction. Uh, and uh, basically the lobby is interested in getting Israel, excuse me, getting the United States, and here we're talking mainly about the American government, to support Israel no matter what Israel does. And our argument is that if you look at the relationship between the United States and Israel, it's unprecedented in modern history. Uh, this is the closest relationship that you can find between any two countries in recorded history. It's truly amazing the extent to which Israel and the United States are joined at the hip. And we support Israel no matter what, almost all the time. Uh, and uh, our argument is that that is largely due to the influence of the lobby. The lobby is uh, uh, an extremely powerful interest group. Now, it's very important to understand that the American political system is set up in ways that allow interest groups of all sorts to wield great influence. So in the United States, you have an interest group or a lobby like the National Rifle Association that makes it well nigh impossible to get gun control, yeah. right? Uh, and so with the Israel lobby, you have this group of individuals and organizations that wield enormous influence on U.S. policy toward the Middle East. And this is not surprising given the nature of the American political system. Uh, so our argument is that the lobby is not doing anything that's illegal or illicit or immoral or unethical. It's just a good old-fashioned American interest group. And it just happens to be extremely powerful. And our argument is that this is not good for the United States because no two countries have the same interests all the time. And when our interests conflict with Israel's interests, we should be able to do what we think is in our national interest, in America's national interest. But the lobby tends to conflate America's national interest with Israel's national interest and wants the United States to support Israel no matter what. Do you think uh, if Israel could, they would avoid the death of any civilians? So you're saying there's some degree of punishment, of collective oh, they're anger. purposely killing civilians. It's This is the Iron Wall. They're trying to beat the Palestinians in a submission, right? <laughs> there's no way you kill this many civilians um, if you're trying to precisely take out Hamas fighters. And by the way, the Israeli spokesman, the IDF spokesman, has explicitly said that we are not pursuing precision bombing and that what we are doing is trying to, you know, maximize the amount of destruction and damage uh, that we can inflict on the Palestinians. And uh, I, I, th I think this is a major mistake uh, on the part of 
Israel. First of all, it ends up being a moral stain on your reputation, number one. And number two, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The, the Palestinians are not going to roll over and submit to uh, Israeli domination of their life. Um, so, you know, the whole concept of the Iron Wall, uh, Jabotinsky's term, was misguided. Um, and, and, and by the way, the iron, if you look at what the Israelis are doing, they're trying to do two things. One is the Iron Wall. And that's where you punish the civilian population in Gaza and get them to submit. The other thing that they're trying to do is get Hamas. They want to destroy Hamas. And the belief there is that if they destroy Hamas, they've solved the problem. But as many Israelis know, including people on the hard right, even if you destroy Hamas, they are going to be replaced by another group, another resistance group. Uh, and that resistance group will employ terror. Yeah, I think you. Uh, I think you've said that uh, other terrorist organizations have used the situation in Palestine as a as a kind of a recruit recruitment mechanism for for a long time. Osama bin Laden made it clear that this was one of his principal reasons for attacking the United States. And now, if that were not enough, are you aware of what's happening now in France? France now has the following. France is saying that if you criticize, if you criticize COVID or vaccines or anything associated with that, that that is a conspiracy theory and therefore you'll be uh, fined and go to jail. But it goes more. As of right now, the French government is stating that all complementary and alternative medicine and a draft bill that they're presenting is a, is a sect. It's like a cult. There's no credibility. There's nothing, not a single study in the world supports alternative or complementary medicine. Now, of course, the French are capable of doing the most heinous acts. and the, the, the most, Well, they're fully capable of passing this and probably will. Why? Because of lobbyists. Why? Because of speech. Once again, You've got to pull back people and see where all this is going. And it's all over the world. How is that possible that all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, every country is saying, if you criticize COVID, if you criticize vaccines, if you criticize the medical uh, system, you're conspiracy theorists and you're promoting hate information or dangerous speech, therefore you will be arrested and imprisoned. Every single study that I mentioned, I show it comes from Orthodox Medicine, the National Library of Medicine, PubMed. That's the only infer- references I ever use. There are over a million, let me repeat that, there are over a million studies supporting in the Orthodox medical scientific literature complementary and alternative medicine. They would have you believe none of that exists. They lie about everything. But who's behind these lies? And what's the, what's the consequence if you wanted to try taking complementary alternative medicine, you couldn't, because that would be promoting fraud. That would be promoting conspiracy theorists. So now they have hundreds of foundations set up just to monitor speech to stop all disinformation. Well, who determines what's disinformation? They do. And who's the biggest liars in the world? They are. And who's giving the most misinformation? They have. Wow. Well, that's a neat trick to play, isn't it? 
the people who are, this is Orwellian. So I'm going to show you just this. And uh, we're going to play a short piece of this, but let me just read what it says. And I want to thank the good people at the Expo for bringing this to our attention. In mid-November, quote, the French Senate revived a law that aims to crush dissent using hefty fines of 15,000 euros, that's about $17,000, and jail time. Anyone daring to criticize medical treatments could fall foul of this law, considering the, quote, COVID vaccines are, quote, safe and effective, end quote, false narratives challenging propagated by the government, this law is nothing short of outrageous. The French Parliament is made up of two chambers, the National Assembly and the Senate. Bills are examined by both houses of Parliament because both houses may amend the bill. It may take several readings to reach an agreement uh, between the National Assembly and the Senate. Okay, so who's behind this? Lobbyist. And why? They're the propagandist. And what do they want? They want to weaponize speech. Against whom? Anyone who would criticize the people who control everything. Because if you're allowed to criticize COVID or the vaccines, or if you're allowed to criticize uh, what's happening in Israel, if you're allowed to criticize what's happening uh, in Ukraine or Zelensky, if you're able to criticize anyone in the United States, well, then they want to make that punishable by a fine and imprisonment. Just to give you an example. How many people last year were arrested in Russia for criticizing the government? About 400. How many were arrested last year and imprisoned in Great Britain? Over 3,000. Wow. And yet all this happened without you being aware of it. How is that possible? All this, this is orchestrated. And all the media. Have you heard a single person in the media criticize Israel or its whole history? Not just the fact that you've killed 10,000 children and babies? And since when is it all right to have 10,000 children killed? And there may be another 30,000, 20,000, or 40,000. We don't know. But we know there are a lot of people that cannot be accounted for who are in the buildings, and no one is unearthing those buildings because there's no equipment to run. Uh, there's no equipment to undo this because they don't have the fuel to uh, have the equipment work. And besides, it's all being bombed by intent. I just want to share that with you. Now let's show you what's going on in Ireland. But you got to hear, listen carefully, because this is Tucker Carlson in a short interview, interviewing a person who I don't like, never had him on my program, um, but uh, Steve Bannon. But again, I say, I can disagree with a person but if what they're saying is objectively true, I'll focus upon that. But he makes a comment about these are the Davos people. And who's the Davos people? The World Economic Forum. Okay? And who sits on the board of the World Economic Forum? The head of BlackRock. And why is BlackRock important? It's the most powerful, wealthiest company in the history of the world. I see. So follow the chain of connections. That's what we're doing. Let's go to the clip. Several days ago, a man in his 50s, for reasons that are still not clear, stabbed five people outside a school in Dublin, Ireland, including three children. 
And then almost immediately after, parts of that city erupted into rioting. What exactly is going on here? Well, the Washington Post stepped in, helpfully, to explain. And here's the tweet the Washington Post sent out. Quote, Online rumors claimed the perpetrator of a stabbing attack was an immigrant. The BBC found that the man was an Irish citizen who had lived in the country for 20 years. Police blamed, quote, a lunatic faction driven by far-right ideology for the riot in Dublin. That was the Washington Post's explanation. But actually, the man was an immigrant. He was from Algeria. And as it turns out, he's been living in Ireland for 23 years at public expense. He has never had a job. And then last week, unaccountably, he stabbed children. Well, many people in Ireland are absolutely sick of this. It's happening by design. That country has been completely transformed by immigration. It's not the Ireland you remember at all. And going forward, anyone who complains about that or questions government policy will be guilty of a felony. The new hate speech laws are coming to Ireland. No complaining about it. And of course, it's not just Ireland. It's across the West. What does this mean? What is happening here? And what's the right response to it? We thought it'd be worth talking to Steve Bannon. He's the host of War Room, an old friend of ours. It's his birthday today, by the way. Happy birthday, Steve. Um, Thank you, Tucker. So it seems like Ireland's, of course, a small country, an island uh, in Western Europe, but it seems like this is kind of almost a metaphor for what's happening across the West. What do you make of the rioting there and the government's response to it? Well, look, you've been to Hungary. You know, Viktor Orban has led this fight for years and um, has tried to get his country, the sovereignty of it, to stay away from what's happening in Germany and places like Ireland. Ireland's probably one of the worst, if not the worst, because the political class has totally sold out the people. You know, they've had, I think, 125,000 immigrants in the last year. That That is the same equivalent if all of Joe Biden's 9 million illegal alien invaders here in our country all came within one year. That's that's what that's the impact it's had on Ireland. And they're all on the public dole. There's been 100,000 Ukrainians in what the 18 months or 20 months since the war started. 100,000 Ukrainians all on the public dole, all paid for uh, out of the Irish budget. Now, some of that money is given by the EU, but the Irish politicians are by far the worst that are bought off uh, by the EU. They're the biggest globalists. They've sold out the sovereignty of, of the Irish and you're seeing a natural blowback, and you're really seeing it among working class people in the cities, Irish nationals, Irish citizens, whose family have been there for generations and generations and generations and have nothing to show for it, and also in the rural communities. So Ireland is a powder keg. And I think what you saw the other day in the response by the Garda, the response by the authorities was immediately to go after Conor McGregor and other folks who were saying, hey, we need to address this. We need your 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 proclamations are no longer good enough. We need to see a plan of action because there's been enough of these um, these immigrants attacks on, on citizens, including a year ago uh, where there was, a, I think, a murder of a, a school teacher uh, by an immigrant. So the Irish people, I think, have had a belly full of it. But you're seeing this is this is across the West. And it started with a mass uh, immigration in the 60s and 70s, but really been picked up since the Syrian civil war and what the Germans did back in 2014. So the Irish government is trying to replace the population of Ireland with people from the third world, obviously. But why? What's the justification for that? Ireland was never a colonial power. These are not people they once ruled coming back to the mother country. Um, The same people have lived in Ireland for thousands of years. They have a native population and they're being replaced. Why would someone want to do that, do you think? 
I think you're seeing it. I think you're seeing this because of the political class is very tied to Brussels. The political class, and there's really no true opposition party when you think from a populist nationalist perspective. They've got a couple of uh, small parties that are starting to grow. Of course, you got Sinn Fein, who's uh, the political arm, or the IRA, who are more and more taking on a nationalistic uh, bent. You've got a couple of small parties. One's kind of Trump inspired uh, to combat this. But I think these people are seeing, you know, and look, you talk about the great replacement theory and people, all, oh, you know, people get very upset when you talk about it. But you just look at the math. This has happened theory. across Europe. It's happened in Germany. This is why Orban has been so singled out. Um, this is why, quite frankly, Georgia Maloney, who, you know, was one a person who we supported a lot when she got in there because the EU was going to cut Italy off for money, really backed off a lot on this immigration policy. The Germans and uh, the people in Brussels, the party of Davos, just doesn't think the working class um, European population is very controllable. They think they're dangerous. They think they're the cause of these world wars in World War One and World War Two. And so they've always been uh, they've tried to control them every way possible. Now they're using immigration. And Ireland is one of the worst examples. And that's why it's a powder keg. It does seem like there's race hate at the bottom of it. I, I can't think of a better explanation. I mean, there have been wars in Africa you know, sort of every week for my entire life. And no one's saying we've got too many Africans in Nigeria. Let's replace them with Indians or something. No one would even think to say that. But poor Ireland, which didn't really do anything wrong on the world stage that I'm aware of, is, I mean, in 100 years, there'll be, you know, a, a minority of Irish people in Ireland. That's a big change. And it's on purpose. How could anyone read that as anything but an expression of, of hate? Right. Contempt for their working class, for the working class of Ireland. This is why, Tucker, I think they're cracking down so hard. You've seen what they've tried to do to Viktor Orban, who's kind of become the leader of this, the, the political and intellectual, public intellectual leader of this. They've tried to isolate him for years, although he's been right about the Ukraine war. He's been right about uh, what happened in Germany in 2014, about the sovereignty of his country and the sovereignty of his people. But in Ireland, they've taken it to a next level. I mean, they immediately came out and they're prosecuting right now, or I should say, investigating Conor McGregor uh, for hate speech, for some tweets he put out and a couple of statements he made. The, the Garda came out and they've arrested 30 people and their whole focus is on the prosecution, on the prosecution of the people that stood up to this and the people that, quite frankly, were angry about it. The entire focus has been after going after the population and to try to cow them, to try to say, no, if you stand up to this, you stand up to the political class, if you have an opinion, right, which, you know, you should have a free speech. But if you have an opinion, that's going to be hate speech. And those hates that hate speech law uh, has many years in prison associated with it. So they have cracked down not on immigration crime, not on the uh, homelessness situation, the lawlessness, the breakdown of law and order. They have focused on the Irish people to really put their 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 focus on and look who's doing it i mean the head of the irish government and the chief of police again about 50 percent of the things tucker talks about i disagree with but also he's making statements that are actually actually accurate now in this final segment i want to show you two things that are happening one is that there's new information that was never shown to us before that where the new Speaker of the House, unlike the old Speaker of the House, and the Speaker that followed them is allowing all 40,000 hours of the January 6th footage to be shown. And lo and behold, 
we're seeing things that clearly, unequivocally show that this was a setup. But I want you to hear what uh, the Morrises have to say on Redacted, and you're going to see things and hear things that you didn't know before. And even the most naive person will have to say, wow, how is that possible? Why, why didn't the January 6th committee show us any of that? Why are the people who are now rotting in jail for having committed no crime? Why weren't they shown this? Why weren't their defense attorneys given this? That's against the law. The prosecution knows full well you cannot withhold uh, evidence in a trial from the defendant. And they did. And they withheld it. The mainstream media withheld all this information. So all the mainstream media are wrong. All the people on the, on the January 6th committee are wrong. But then again, they've been wrong before on many occasions. Let's go to that clip. Well, America had Americans had a very busy weekend doing what Congress wouldn't do. Americans spent the weekend basically combing through 44,000 hours of January 6th footage. Some eagle-eyed Americans were able to comb through all of this. And the Speaker of the House, of course, Mike Johnson, released all of it for you to watch. You can, you can watch it now publicly if you'd like. So there's a lot of questions that we want answers to. Here are a few questions we have. Why did the FBI and Capitol Police lure the crowd into the building that day? It's a good question, right? Why were they doing that? Why did Capitol Police fire on innocent people who were peacefully protesting um, with paintball guns that some had reported? And others were saying, that's a conspiracy theory. You clearly rushed the Capitol. You were not fired upon first. You were storming the Capitol. These were the narratives that we heard. That was suppressed, of course, by the January 6th committee. Uh, will we see body cam footage um, of all of that? You know, who fired first? Where was that? There was a ton of body cam footage. Um, or was that all just a MAGA fantasy, a lie by Trump supporters? Um, how many FBI agents were there that day? Well, according to the FBI, there were just too many to count, and they lost track. Originally, though, remember what they told us originally? How many FBI informants we're at the Capitol that day. What was their response? A goose egg. Zero. Zero. Now, the story has changed. Oh, there's just too many, and we lost track. It's amazing how this works, isn't it? Uh, according to the FBI, there were so many to count, they just lost track. Originally, they told us there were none there. And maybe we'll see some agents in the crowd when we comb through this footage. Uh, why was Nancy Pelosi's daughter there filming a documentary that day with a film crew? Why was that? Like, she knew it was worth filming that day. Right, like something might have happened. Will we see the frantic moments that Pelosi came face to face with death and barely survived? Will we see that footage? Uh, until now, we've only seen really what Liz Cheney and the January 6th Select Committee actually wanted you to see. Selectively edited videos showing alleged MAGA Trump supporters smashing windows, breaching the Capitol. And even when Kevin McCarthy gave Tucker Carlson's production team at Fox News a chance to go and look at the footage, they held on to it. And they had to go to the Capitol and comb through it there for two weeks. And they went through as much as they could in that amount of time. So it's not like they just handed it over to Tucker and he was able to take it home with his team. No, no, they had to go to the Capitol and basically camp out there and look at it. So they really didn't hand it over. So now we have access to it. Well, oh boy, because buckle your seatbelts, guys, uh, because they told us what happened on January 6th was worse than 9-11. Remember, they said that it was worse than 9-11, so bad that America was under attack by an enemy so vile, so destructive, that America would never be the same. 
It was so devastating that Congressman Adam, Adam Kinzinger couldn't hold back tears. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and uh, thank you to my colleagues on the committee. Thank you to our witnesses. Uh, I never expected a day to be <clears throat> quite as emotional for me as it has been. Yeah, it really is. A lot of tears. So white supremacist MAGA supporters trying to tear down democracy by storming the United States Capitol. They were right. Is it, This footage, as we've gone through it, is as scary as Democrats have made it out to be. No wonder Liz Cheney and Nancy Pelosi kept the truth from us because it shows just how bad it was. Here's just a sample of the newly released video this weekend. This might give you post-traumatic stress, so I apologize in advance if what you're about to watch is a little scary. I'm warning you, brace yourself for this, okay? Take a look at your screen here. What you're going to see here on the top part of your screen is an angry horde of Trump supporters storming the Capitol. And I want you to watch as they brutally attack these police officers, and they, uh, yeah, look at this. Absolutely troubling. Wait for it. You know, watch, look at that. I mean, I, I mean, it gives me shivers. Really gives me shivers. It makes me think of that Simpsons episode where that guy's like, those white flags are no match for our muskets. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, have you guys seen anything so terrifying? I don't know, but I mean, the blue, the blue hat, the blue hair, the blue hat. What do I mean, those police think is going on? Look at they're just chatting amongst themselves and, hey, how you doing? Waving to them, waving Maybe to them. Maybe someone should interview them and ask, what did you think was going on when those unsanctioned people walked into the Capitol? Oh, Adam Kinzinger really did. He was in tears over it. Oh, it gets worse. You think this footage is bad, guys. Police are so terrified. I'm going to show you next video here that they're shaking hands and giving more instructions on where to go in the building. Take a look at this. Here you go. There you go. Need help there? There you go. Pat on the back. Uh, you want to go this way? All good. All good. You just go that way, guys. Yeah, right down there. Just walk right through. Pat on the back. Nice to see you. There, I'll show you. I'll, I'll even lead you there. Okay, go ahead. Nice to meet you guys. Uh, police are so terrified of these violent insurgents that they can barely hold the doors. Here's another. I'm going to hold the doors for these folks coming through and... I'm just worried they're going to run me over. They're, they're so violent, and they're going to, they're going to kill me. And so I'm going to hold the, these nice little French doors here open and make sure that they don't smash the glass. And here you go, this way. You can enter right this down this way. If you guys need to use the bathroom or get a coffee or anything like that, just... It's cold outside. Warm yourself. Warm yourselves up here in the, the confines of the Capitol, and I'll hold this door. Oh, is there more of you guys coming? Let me just hold the door for you. Uh, and I want to say the next video, though, honestly, guys, might be the scariest of them all. This video, honestly, to me, this next video here, um, go ahead and roll it there, Philip. There we go. This is the one. Yeah, this is the next video. This might be the scariest of them all. This video looks like an intermission at a Broadway show. Um, you know, when you go out halfway through a show, if you've ever been to some sort of a musical or orchestra performance or something like that, only thing missing is a snack bar. You want. And the long line only for the ladies' room. Yeah, the ladies' room. And, and just people just kind of hanging out, milling about. And this goes on for minutes at a time. People taking selfies and saying hi and fist bumping the the heavily armored police. Asking for instructions. The man there in the gray. Like, yeah. what, is here okay over there? You there, tell me and I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go do what wherever you want I want to go. Do. Uh, so, yeah, these are some of the newly released videos that you haven't had a chance to see yet. You've seen the heavily edited ones, of course, um, the ones that uh, Liz Cheney wanted you to see. Um, 
This violent horde could be heard two blocks away, though. You saw the violent hordes there. And two blocks away, there was a brave member of Congress who was held up, hiding in terror. Uh, this brave member of Congress recounted the horrifying moments. I want you to listen. Like, I'm here, and the bathroom door starts going like this. Like, the bathroom door's behind me, or rather, in front of me. And I'm like this, and the door hinges right here. And I just hear, where is she? Where is she? And um, this was the moment where I thought everything was over. Yeah. So good thing camera crews were already in place. Uh, coincidentally, Nancy Pelosi and her daughter's production company had cameras ready to go and roll on the moment that something happened that day. I mean, that's amazing, right? Have a full production crew ready to go just in case. And new video emerged this weekend showing how staged the whole thing actually was. Uh, watch an alleged phone call with Mike Pence. You can hear Mike Pence on the phone, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Now, we've never seen this video before until now with this newly released footage. See if you can spot some differences between the video that was released on CNN that we've already seen. It was part of the January Select Committee. It was, already, it was released on HBO and also on, on CNN. See the difference between the video that was released on CNN of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the real video that was just released. Because sometimes when you're filming a movie... You have to have multiple takes in order to get the shot just right. How many takes did they have? We only know of two. Here are two examples. And I'm, I'm at the Capitol building. I'm literally standing with uh, the chief of police of uh, the U.S. Capitol Police. They believe that uh, the House and the Senate will be able uh, to reconvene in roughly an hour. I'm standing with uh, the chief of the U.S. Capitol Police. He just informed me they believe that the House and the Senate will be able uh, to reconvene in roughly an hour. Okay, did you guys notice any difference there? Um, do you guys notice any differences? Philip, David, anybody in the chat room? Could, did you guys spot the difference? I, I just noticed a jump the, cut, the but I didn't really person. spot. Oh, Philip, say it. The third person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Philip, okay. The eagle-eyed observer, okay. Philip, as always. Oh, I thought it was going to be like one of those, one of those <laughs> things is no. not like the other. They filmed it twice. <laughs> okay. It's Phil, It's two different shots. With the same phone call? With the same phony phone call. Like Howard Stern doing a prank. But in this, let's, can we rerun it? Because in this, in this second version of the, the, the shot, guess who pops in there? Chuck Grassley. A totally different congressman pops in. I guess they didn't catch this in their edits. Unbelievable how this whole thing is watched, staged. Okay, let me tell you, there's another 30 minutes. Let me just summarize. What they showed up to this point is just a calm group of people coming through the Capitol. Doors being opened to them. Doors being unlocked for them. Um, no one arguing, no one fighting. Uh, police just casually standing by, just talking amongst themselves. Everything was completely calm. That's what you, they were showing you. Now, here's what you didn't see at all for the last uh, year or so. You didn't see what comes next. Who fired the first shot? Oh, the, the, the terrorists did. Well, it was worse than 9-11, was it? They said initially that, you know, cops were killed. No cops were killed. 
they used a, a the one guy got killed by a, a fire extinguisher. That never happened, and this shows it. But who fired the first shot? This is where it's important, everyone. This is the lie. The, the this is the cover up. This is the this is how this was all planned. Because you get the body cams of the shooters up on the top of the Capitol. They're up on the top. These are the uh, these are the federal agents, and they're looking. And nobody's doing anything. There, there's no crisis. Then they point out they've got to shoot someone. So one of these guys, and you see it, you hear it right through his body cam, he shoots one of the uh, demonstrators right in the face. And then you get the shot, you see the hole in the guy's face. And then the, someone puts some paper towels up in there to stop the bleeding. It didn't cause them to react. Well, that's not good. So then we've got to shoot more people. We've got to get them more agitated. They're saying this. All right? The police are saying this. The agent provocateurs are saying this. So then they start throwing the police through um, all kinds of uh, um, gas bombs in. And again, nothing's happening. So then you hear someone, a bunch of them getting together, saying, we've got to up this. We've got to get them really angry. And then... That's that, and you see them talking. Actually, the police talking about we've got to get these peaceful demonstrators angry and agitated because <clears throat> clearly we don't have what we need on film. But then you see the worst of it. You see in a hallway, you see a guy being arrested, one of the one of the Trump supporters being arrested, taken in this hallway, and suddenly he bends over and they unlock his keys. He fist bumps him, and he leaves. That was an agent provocateur. That was a federal agent. And originally, remember, we were told there were no federal agents. Now guess what they say? There are too many to count. Too many FBI agents, now the Homeland Security agents, agent provocateurs. Who broke the windows? Agent provocateurs. Who caused the damage? Agent provocateurs. But guess what also happens? It was staged. How do we know it was staged? Because we got Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer on tape walking with a whole retinue of security people with her daughter. Isn't it amazing? Her daughter just happened to be filming a documentary on the very day this happened in, uh, in the Congress. How's that happen? So then they go downstairs. Again, there are no protesters around them. And they're talking with Mike Spence on a cell phone, and you can hear Spence in the background. But then, that's what the public saw, right? But then... They stop it. 60 seconds go by, and they do the same thing over again because Nancy Pelosi was not acting terrified. This time you see her body kind of shaking, and they do the same identical script, the same identical voiceover. And now they got it right. Now the January 6th people committee has got the, the fear for you know attacking the, the uh, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. No. All these people, this whole thing was a setup. And tomorrow I'll play you tapes of the head of the FBI being grilled before Congress and lying. Six different investigations now showing that this was a setup. Why? Because keep Trump from being able to get elected. Use this against him and all of his uh, voters. I don't like Trump. I don't like anything about Trump. But now you're seeing how bad it is and who wants to control the narrative. 
And who does the media follow? The narrative by those in power. And who do the people in Congress follow? The lobbyists and people that influence them. And the big PAC money. And who are those people? The people that are the billionaire class. The people who are the stakeholders in the future. Follow these connections. Every one of their episodes is directed. It is all planned. Now, when you go to court as a criminal defendant, by law, it's a federal law, any evidence, any evidence that they have that would benefit you, they must turn over. The prosecutor did. None of this, which would have uh, exonerated all those people, was turned over. None of it. As a result, hundreds of people are in jail. Over a thousand are still trying to be found to be arrested. And for what? And then you see the truth. In the, in the unedited version of the, the videos. But they have so much control that the media has not discussed any of this. There hasn't been a single panel showing what really happened that's on the film that never came up, was never released to the public, never given to any committee, because Nancy Pelosi was head of the House at that time. Now, she's not head of the House. The new head of the House released all this, 44,000 hours. Now you know the truth. And by the way, my uh, the person that you heard earlier in our first clip is Professor John Mearsheimer. He is the American political scientist and international relations scholar who is the R. Wendell Harrison Distinguished Service Professor at the University of Chicago. He's been described as the most influential scholar of the realist school of international relations of his generation. He's best known for developing the theory of offensive realism, which describes the interaction between great powers as being primarily driven by the rational desire to achieve regional hegemony and uh, in an, an anarchistic international system. And he wrote the book, The Israeli Lobby. So you have the most powerful, knowledgeable voice in the world saying, oh yeah, yeah, this is all about propaganda, and this is all about the lobbyist, this is all about controlling speech, this is all about making laws based upon controlling speech. So suddenly, someone who would have a legitimate argument against what they're seeing in Israel, now that could be called anti-Semitism, and the person could be arrested, depending upon the country. And who? why are these countries? Because who had the big control over Ireland? Guess what? Internet, the World Economic Forum. And uh, in England, same. In the United States, same. These people were part of their global leaders over the last 20 to 30 years. And they bragged about it. Klaus Schwab said, we control Canada and most of his cabinet, Argentina and that cabinet, Great Britain, Ireland. You starting to see the connection here? We're going to say goodbye to WBI and we're going to go to the top of the hour and I'm interested now in your, your feedback. I've given you a lot on just what I did today is show you compelled speech, that's in Canada, where you must say what they want you to say, and if you challenge it, they'll take away, like Jordan Peterson, and I disagree with a lot about what Jordan Peterson said, some things he's right on. But they had no right to take away his license, challenge him, but they did. Compelled speech. Compelled speech on pronouns. Oh, and by the way, when, when in the Tucker Carlson, they talked about what's happening because they decided, who decided? The World Economic Forum wants to see Migrants from all over the world flood every one of these developed countries until they are the majority. 
Did you know that just in the last 12 months, Germany just reported 50,000 German citizens were either raped, robbed, attacked, or killed by migrants in the last 12 months? 50,000. And yet, will they change their policy? They can't, because those who control the purse strings to Germany, who's that? The European Union. Who controls the European Union, except for Claire Daly and a few others? The World Economic Forum. They're all connected, just sharing the information. Hopefully, you understand that and, and be able to better understand how each and every one of these things, from the digitized currencies uh, to mandating. Oh, and by the way, right now, they are making it against laws I mentioned in France to talk about complementary and alternative medicine. You could be fined $15,000. And yet France, historically, has been one of the countries promoting a homeopathy and natural therapies. And mind you, 25 years ago, I was asked would I go to the, uh, uh, to the committee hearing on uh, when they tried to ban vitamins, and I had 500,000, 500,000 studies, all from the library, National Library of Medicine on the efficacy, safety, and potency uh, and positive outcomes of using vitamins, minerals, and herbs. And that was 25 years ago. Today it's over a million. And yet they want you to believe there's not a single study. So what happens when you go to Wikipedia? Oh, there's no studies. Well, what about the legitimacy of traditional Chinese medicine, homeopathy, Ayurvedic medicine, energy medicine, vitamin C drips? There's no proof that any of that works. There's total proof. But who are these people? Well, wasn't it the co-founder of Wikipedia that just came out and said the CIA has been controlling what goes on Wikipedia since 2008? Yeah. And what year did they put me up there? Wrote a biography, All Lies About Me, 2008. You starting to put all this together yet? Well, I've spent thousands and thousands of hours, and we got all the documentation as you were here. I don't see anyone calling in. If no one's calling in, uh, let's just hear from Dylan in New York. Dylan, do we have any calls? No calls, Gary. No calls. Okay. Well, no calls. By the way, tonight on the Progressive Commentary Hour, we have a powerful program, one you will not want to miss with one of the great thinkers on the planet. I mean, one of the finest minds anywhere. And that person will be my guest tonight. And we'll be talking about a whole lot of why they want to take power, who they are, how they're doing it, how they control the media throughout the world, how they control policy. All this will be gone into great depth tonight at 7 o'clock on the Progressive Commentary Hour. Otherwise, thank you all for taking your time and have a nice day.